0: And then Allah says, This is a warning here. You notice the, the language. Allah is saying, if you don't repent, if you don't ask for forgiveness, then you are from the ظَالِمُونَ. You have wronged. You have done injustice. And ظَالِمُونَ comes from the root word ظُلْم, which means darkness. So whenever you do injustice to others, it darkens your heart. When, when your heart darkens up, what happens to your iman? Say bye-bye to your iman. So you see how making fun Insulting in public And you know, cracking jokes Actually has an impact on our iman It's a serious, serious matter you know. And Allah here is mentioning it in this surah Eight, Out of 18 ayats One ayah is dedicated to making fun of people And degrading them in public Is that a big deal or a small deal? Small deal Yes? How many of you think it's a big deal? It's a pretty big deal, right? Especially the warning at the end so you see what the Quran does, it wakes us up to things that we were forgetful of, right? Things that we took easy, now, when we look at the language, oh my God, ضalimun, wrong wrongdoers, those who commit injustice, this is, this is pretty serious. I'm not going to get into that. So, you know, what comes out of our tongue originates in our hearts. Don't say, you know, brother, it's okay, I crack jokes with him, but you know, I really love that brother. What comes out of the tongue originates in the heart. Take that as a standard rule. Right? If your heart is clean, then good words will come out of your, your tongue. You will say truthful things. You will be honest. You will be kind. You will be merciful. You will be loving. But if there's disease in your heart, there's darkness in your heart, then you will you'll be lying. You will be ma- breaking promises. You will be mocking. You will be making fun. You will be calling people with nicknames they don't like. to Just bring them down. And so here also, listen to this also idea that, you know, the, the Prophet ﷺ has also taught us that whenever we insult someone, who gets rewarded? The one, the person who was insulted gets rewarded. And who is in the negative? The person who? Insulted. So I'll, I'll show, you, show you a small diagram of how this really works. So all of us, we have good deeds and bad deeds, right? The plus sign represents good deeds in our life. Negative signs represent bad deeds. So when this person decides to insult that person, what actually happens? His good deeds go to who? The person who got insulted. What about the bad deeds of the person who got insulted? They go to the person who insulted. SubhanAllah. So for the one who is insulted, it's a win-win situation. He's getting double reward and he's being cleansed from his sins. He's being cleansed. As for the one who's insulting, he's losing good deeds and he's getting the burden of the bad deeds of the person he insulted. And by the way, this just doesn't apply to only insulting. It applies to making jokes. It applies to even backbiting, which will come in a second. It applies to all of these things that we do hurtfully to other people with our tongues. Is it, a, is it a big deal or a small deal, guys? Pretty big deal. And so, you know, um, one of the righteous, you know, tabi'in. he was uh, known to, you know, one day he heard of a person who was constantly backbiting this man. So he ended up at his house with a, with a tray of uh, dates to gift him. So that man was was... You know, he was shocked. Why are you giving me this gift? Haven't you heard that I'm the most, I'm the most person who backbites on you? What did the, this tabi'i say? What did this man say? He told him, listen, thank, I'm came, I came here to gift you this because you have been the reason of my elevation. You have been the reason for my deeds being cleansed, my bad deeds being cleansed, and for my elevation in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be higher. Subhanallah. So should we be upset when someone makes fun of us? Technically, we should be happy, right? It's good news. (laughs) And again, if you're someone who just constantly hurts people with your tongue, these negative things, by the way, what do they represent? Another very important point. These negatives aren't only unseen sins that like the angel on the left side is recording. These are problems in your life. You know, you, you backbite against someone, next day, you can expect something bad to happen in your life, in your real life, right? Maybe it could be a car accident. Maybe it could be you falling sick. Maybe it could be your, your son or daughter breaking her arm. Maybe it could be your house catching fire. Maybe it could be you getting a bad day at, at, the, at the office from your boss. Maybe it could be getting fired from your job. You see how Allah's system works? The sins we commit, some of these sins, like especially when it comes to offending other people and and breaking this honor and respect, it comes back to you in this life. It's it's a serious matter. It has serious implications on our life. And so, you know, this is a reminder for myself and all you brothers and sisters that Wallahi, we have to have taqwa from this stuff. We have to be protective, ultra-protective that you know, I need to watch my words, I need to be extra careful when it comes to making fun and backbiting and talking about someone behind their back and insulting someone in public because it's going to come and affect me, it's going to make my life a hell. It's going to have implications in my life. And this is not even talking about Akhirah, right? Just in this life. So it's not worth it. Is it worth it, guys? Not worth it. And then we move on to the second part of this uh, Discussion, which is in private, how we talk about others, other Muslims in private. The previous one was how we deal with fellow Muslims in public in front of them. This section is talking about how we deal with them behind their backs. And so Allah says, amanu." Again, oh you claim to believe, listen up. Avoid much of assumptions dhanni ithm. Even a little bit of assumptions and negative you know, suspicion is a sin. ithm. So that's advice number one. Advice number two is And don't spy on each other. Don't eavesdrop on each other. And then the third one is ba'dukum And don't you backbite each other. Don't do not do riba. Don't talk about each other behind each other's backs. With things that, they, that would be displeasing to them And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to explain riba. So let's pause on for a second First part of this was اجتنبوا al This idea of you know, negative assumptions This is one of the biggest tricks of shaitan To create conflict in, in society When he makes you have wrong assumptions Maybe she said this because she means that Maybe he did this because he means to do that this maybe is all assumptions. It is dun. It is doubt. And by the way, when it comes to sins in the Quran, there's at least three different types of sins. Okay, if you study them one by one, there's dunub, there's khataya, there's sayyat, there's awzar, there's something called fawahish, and there's atham. Allah said that negative assumptions is an ithm, and atham or ithm are negative thoughts and judgments. When you judge a situation in a negative way When you have a negative assumption about something without, without verifying This is one of the most serious types of sins in the Quran The language Allah uses for such sins, the atham, are the most serious And it has to do with what? Thoughts, the way you think So imagine, يعني, this Surah, Surah al is teaching us how to think we have to have clear minds. Even in our mind, our minds should be pure. Purified. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't have ill you know, thoughts even about others. Because who wants, who wants us to have ill thoughts about others? Shaitan, right? That's his game. When you have ill thoughts about others, it's going to be transferred to your heart. There's going to be jealousy and anger and envy. And then that's going to come out to your tongue. And then from the tongue, it could be actions, it could be conflict. That's the way it works. A thought translates into emotions and then emotions come out in words. So Allah here is preventing the, the root problem, the thought itself. Whenever a negative thought comes to, in your mind about someone, delete it. Allah said even little, little doubts, little assumptions are, are ism. Some of the most serious crimes you can commit in the Quran. So you see how Allah is putting things in perspective for us that negative thoughts are a serious crime when it comes to your fellow Muslims when it comes to, you know, judging your fellow Muslims and you know, we live in that time where there's excessive judging there's excessive, you know putting people down based on things you see outwardly Allah saying don't judge, don't assume things blindly without verification you're in no position to judge someone by their looks you know, religious people judge those who are not religious, and those who are not religious, judge those who are religious also. So it's both ways, right? And listen to this hadith of the Prophet He says, beware of suspicion. This is one, And suspicion is in the? Where is suspicion? In the mind. Beware of suspicion, for suspicion is the most false of speech. And then he says, do not seek out the f- faults of others. Do not spy on each other. Do not compete with each other. Do not envy each other. Do not hate each other and do not turn away from each other. Rather be servants of Allah as brothers. So if you're doing these things, that, then you are not fulfilling this unity and brotherhood. Right? So what should be in the heart? In the heart should be love and mercy and care for our fellow brothers and sisters. Right? This is what Allah wants, our hearts to be clean, free of all of this negativity. And then also in terms of, you know, dhan and assumptions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this hadith, I am whatever my slave thinks of me. So even when it comes to assuming good things about Allah, Allah wants us to be positive when it comes to assuming things about Allah. We have to be hopeful of Allah's mercy. We have to be hopeful of the Jannah. We have to be hopeful of Allah's acceptance of our deeds. What does shaitan want? Shaitan wants you to have doubts. Will Allah forgive me or no? Will Allah enter me into Jannah? I don't think so. Will Allah get me a new job? Maybe not. Will Allah make me healthy? Maybe not. Will I get married? I don't think so. All these negative thoughts are from shaitan. Allah wants us to be people of hope, people of optimism, and people of positivity. So when you, when you do than when you have assumptions, what's that going to lead to? Spying. Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. But just for you to see this, uh, let's do an example of perception and um, different, my, different perspectives. Can you tell me what you see in this picture? Okay, how many of you see old, an old lady? Raise your hands. Okay, those of you who don't see an old lady, what do you see? Young lady. How many of you see a young lady? Okay. Who is right? Are you sure? Both are right, inshallah. Some of of you might be insisting. I am right, they are wrong. right? But those of you who are open-minded, inshallah, you can see both, inshallah. So... What are we learning from this example? Some of you still try to figure out where the old lady is, where the young lady is. So don't assume wrong things. It could be that you misunderstood something. Someone else might be looking at the situation in a different perspective. There's always two sides to a coin. Right? Don't think your opinion is right, everybody else is wrong. There always are two sides to a coin and we should look at the or give the benefit, benefit of the doubt to our brothers and sisters, right? Give them a positive assumption. This is called al الظن, right? Doing al not سوء husn al When your you know, my wife doesn't pick up the phone, shaitan comes and says your wife doesn't love you. She's uh, probably, you know, watching TV and she's ignoring your phone. Or shaitan could come and say your wife is in trouble. He could instill fear in me. Maybe my wife's locked up in the bathroom. Right? Or maybe my wife's upset with me. Or maybe my wife's talking to someone else. You see how shaitan comes with negative assumptions? What do we have to do to all these assumptions? Tell shaitan to shut up, basically. Tell shaitan and your mind to shut up. Because these are all thoughts that are evil, that have no benefit for you. It's only going to cause negative emotions in your life, which is pointless, right? And it could be that she didn't pick up the phone because she was simply, you know, busy doing something else. There could be a very simple positive reason behind it. So beware of negative assumptions. And then Allah says, "Wala Wala Before that, sorry. This cycle is very important to understand. There's three things Allah talks about in this ayah Don't have negative assumptions of others Then he says don't eavesdrop What's the connection between the two? When you have negative assumptions Sometimes it leads to curiosity You know, shaitan comes and says Oh, maybe my wife's talking to someone else That's why she's not picking up the phone So now, what's the next logical step? Spying on my wife, right? I'm gonna secretly spy, listen up on her conversations, check her WhatsApp messages, do all sorts of things. And then, if I find out something that I'm not supposed to find out about, that could lead to even backbiting. I could go and talk about her badly, you know, with other people, and you see how this is all connected? Negative assumptions linked to eavesdropping, linked to backbiting. And Allah, of course, then says about backbiting, listen to this expression. He says, don't backbite one another. Would you love, would one of you love to eat the flesh of his brother that's dead? And you would would detest that? Would you love to eat the flesh of your dead brother? That is the metaphor Allah is drawing for backbiting. Backbiting your brother or sister in Islam is like eating their flesh alive. Allah is saying wattaqullah inna Allah rahim. Be mindful of Allah. Have Taqwa be protective of these thoughts. Be protective of your tongue from ghiba, from backbiting. Be protective of the way you see others and the way you, you know, perceive others. In, and then Allah ends it by saying, "In Allah ta'awwabur rahim." Again, that mercy is there, right? Because Allah knows that we have weaknesses. So Allah, out of His infinite mercy, is giving us the door of tawbah open. He's leaving it open. That it's okay. Your believers repent. Ask for forgiveness now. So eating the flesh of your bro- dead brother. Now, first of all, eating the flesh, eating flesh of a human being—that in itself is disgusting. Allah took it a step further by seeing by saying it's not just any dead, uh, it's not just any flesh, it's a dead person's flesh. So that's the second level of disgust. And then what's the third level of disgust? That, dead pers- uh, that person is your brother. Your own brother's flesh. As he is dead, you're eating it. This is the description Allah. I know it's disgusting, and you're fasting, and some of you are hungry. You don't want to see these pictures, but this is really what it is. This is what riba is. And it's become so common, you know, gossip corners, rumors. You know, I don't want to generalize by saying it's common with, with brothers or sisters. It happens in both situations. In my office place, over cigarette breaks, people gossip all the time. Over breakfast, people gossip. When, you know, women get together for a function or something, you know, they sit in a corner and start gossiping. Usually after parties, what starts? The gossip session starts after the party is over, right? What did she wear? What did he wear? What did he say? What did she say? What did she look like? What did she eat? What did she not eat? Who came? Who didn't come? Who was rude? Who was nice? We do like a full briefing. Riba briefing after parties are over, right? And so the Prophet during the Mi'raj, when he escalated the heavens, he saw a group of people who were scratching their chests and their faces with iron nails, copper nails. So the Sahaba asked, who are these? Or the Prophet asked, Jibreel, who are these? He said, these are those who ate the flesh of others through backbiting and trampled people's honor. These are the ones who used to make fun of others. These are the people who used to mock and bully and you know crack jokes and insult and embarrass people in public. So, pretty serious language. And you know when it comes to Ghiba, what's the problem with it? Nothing gets fixed, right? You talk behind someone's back, maybe they have a flaw, but it never gets fixed because they're not there. They never get to find out what you've been talking about. So Allah's theme in this surah is Islah, right? Fixing things. So why is Ghiba such a big deal? Because you're talking about someone else's problems, but you're not fixing them. Because they never get to find out what the problem is. So again, that concept of, you know, when you do ghibah to someone, their sins come to you, and their good deeds come to you. Or your sins go to them, and their good deeds come to you, right? So it's a win-win situation for the one who is being backbited, and it's a lose-lose situation for the one that is backbiting. So we're done with Muslims. Let's go talk about humanity now. How do Muslims deal with humanity? What are the manners in dealing with humanity? Beautiful ayah where Allah says, Ya ayyuhan nas. Now the address is not to believers, it's to people. Ya ayyuhan nas. It's to all of humanity. Allah says, O oh people, we have created you from male and female. And we have made you into different groups and different tribes. What's the objective of cre- creating us in all these different colors and different tribes and different groups? لتعرفوا. So that you may get to know one another better. So that you may get to hang out with each other. Get introduced to each other. Ta'araf comes from عُرْفْ Which means literally tradition. Get to know each other's tradition. Exchange ideas, exchange cultures. So you know this idea of tolerance where you're supposed to coexist with other religions and other faiths and other cultures Islam goes beyond that Quran goes beyond that cuz coexistence means I exist my non-muslim friends exists I'm not going to kill him he doesn't kill me we coexist together but Allah says no it's beyond coexistence it's not, it's not just about letting each other live it's about getting to know each other and creating that bond and Networking and collaborating and exchanging ideas Then Allah says Inna akramakum The most honorable among you is the one who has the most taqwa the, most, who, the one who is most protective of their iman The one who is most protective of their tongues They are the most noble It's not what nas- nationality you are It's not your passport color It's not which language you speak It's not your skin color It's not your accent It's none of this all of this discrimination and racism, this is, Islam came to destroy this and create equality. And That's what you see in Hajj and in Umrah when you see people dressed in white garbs, right? All equal, standing in front of Allah, shoulder to shoulder, feet to feet. Everyone's equal. The king is standing next to the slave and the servant and the laborer. There's no difference. doesn't matter how much money you have in your account, what car you drive, which neighborhood your house is in. You're all equal in front of Allah ﷻ. Except for taqwa What is the measure of closeness to Allah? It's taqwa How protective you are How much iman you have in your heart And how protective you are of the iman That is where your level gets higher in Allah's status So that is what we should be competing for Closeness to Allah ﷻ. And then Allah says alimun khabeer, Allah is fully aware and fully knowledgeable of you He's aware of your hearts and so this, you know, racism and discrimination, it's all about arrogance, superiority, thinking you're better than others Which creates hatred and enmity in a society And then that leads to fights and, and conflicts Then Allah talks about this, this group that came to profess its Islam Arab. they were known as Bedouins قالت الْعَعْرَابُ آمَنَّا They claimed that we are believers Allah tells the Prophet, Tell them you are not believers, you are Muslims. And Islam and Iman hasn't even entered your heart. But then Allah gives them hope. He says, if you follow and obey Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala and the Prophet lovingly and willingly, La Allah Rahim. Allah will not let your deeds go to waste. So Allah here is distinguishing between Islam and Iman which we talked about earlier right Islam being the outward part of things Iman being the inner part So these Bedouins they thought they were Muslim they were they thought they were believers they thought they got the title of believers by just moving to Medina with maybe the wrong intentions maybe for money's sake for you know just being safe for safety or for other reasons business reasons maybe Allah is saying no 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 you are just you are just Muslims yet Iman hasn't entered your heart you need, to, you need to go deeper and, and think about your manners and your character. That is going to reflect what your re- real iman is. And then Allah tells us who the believers are. We're getting close, inshallah. So pay, uh, be a bit patient with me. Inshallah, we'll go a few minutes ahead. We still have time for futour, inshallah. So Allah says, Mu'minuna amanu billahi wa rasule." There is no doubt about it. The believers are those who believe in Allah and the Prophet and they have no doubts. They have no doubts in their mind. They have full certainty and full yaqeen. that this deen is the truth. They have full certainty in what they're doing. And they do jihad with their money and with their, with their own lives in the path of Allah. And this word jihad is a very controversial word, right? It has been hijacked by the media to, to only... Limit its meaning to fighting and, and, you know, terrorism and all sorts of negative things. Whereas jihad in the Arabic language means to strive, to put some effort. So Allah here is saying that your iman, a sign of your iman is that you are someone who strives with your money and with your life to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, الله, to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in whatever, whatever path you want. You could do jihad by going to work every day in the morning with the intention of earning halal income You could do jihad as a a sister by cooking food every day with the intention of feeding your children You could do jihad every day by going to school with the intention of learning and benefiting the ummah with your knowledge one day You could do jihad if you're a doctor every day by going and, and treating your patients with the intention of healing them So you see how broad this aspect is? So Iman is not just words that you say it has to translate into a lifestyle, right? A lifestyle of a mujahid. Someone who is striving always to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in whatever capacity he can. So you know this term mujahideen? We, in fact, if we're all believers, we should all be mujahideen. How many of you are admitting today to become mujahideen, inshallah? Okay, some of you are scared still, huh? Hands so, I mean, this is the definition of Allah, right? We can't censor the Qur'an. Mujahideen in the sense of striving in the path of Allah to make this world a better place to benefit humanity, inshaAllah. And then Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ sadiqun Those who do these things, those who have that deep faith, those who have that unser- or unshakable certainty in their minds, and those who strive in their lives. These three things are the proof of your Iman. Those are truthfully the mu'mins. So Allah is defining iman for us. So actions speak louder than words. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the Qur'an always associates iman with salih. صَالِح. الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا صَالِحَاتِ Those who believe and do deeds that fix things. So you're always fixing. Whether it's fixing yourself, whether it's fixing your relationships, fixing your health, fixing, fixing the way you think, fixing the way you deal with others, fixing the way you earn money. You're constantly fixing, 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 fixing. And what's shaitan's goal? Corrupting and spoiling, right? He's spoiling, you're fixing. That's the battle between believers and shaitan. His job is to create injustice and chaos and bloodshed on earth. Our job is to keep fixing and keep cleansing until our last breath. This, this, This striving never stops. And I don't like the word struggle. You know, sometimes jihad is... Translated as struggle. And struggle is usually associated with something negative that you dislike. Whereas a mujahid, when he does his job, when he is in the path of Allah, he is enjoying it. It is like the best time of his life. Because you are pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with what you do. So you should not be negative about it. You should be enjoying it. So lastly, let's end inshallah because the food is coming. And soon you will smell the nice sense of the futur. So before we get distracted, (laughs) beautifully Allah ends this amazing surah with the same manners. So let's do a quick revision: manners with Allah, what was number two? Manners with Rasulullah. Then three, news manners with conflicts, manners with unity and brotherhood. Then with Muslims then with humanity and now he ends it with Allah again so the beginning was manners with Allah end is manners with Allah also to prioritize right so Allah here tells us in the last three ayat inna Allah wal ard wallahu or sorry are you going to teach Allah your deen? do you know more than Allah that's what Allah here is asking us sarcastically. Are you gonna teach Allah what your deen is? Or are you gonna to submit to His teaching? Are you gonna to submit to the Qur'an? Wallahu, Samawati Allah has knowledge of everything in the skies and the earth. Wallahu bi kulli shayin alim, Allah has knowledge of all things. You have limited knowledge. Right? Allah is putting us in our place again by the end of the surah. That you have limited knowledge. And by the way, when we fall into sujood in our salah, what do we do? we're submitting our minds to the ground right we're telling allah ya allah we have limited knowledge we don't know you know ya allah and you know just a side note when you do ruku you're submitting your heart so there's two actions we do in salah when you submit when you do ruku you're submitting your heart ya allah my heart is for you and then you come up and then you go down into sajda and you put your mind to the ground and say ya allah not only is my heart for you my mind is also for you, Allah. I'm submitting my heart to you, and I'm submitting my intellect to you. Because the Qur'an and the Sunnah is the ultimate guidance. I will submit to this, these two sources of knowledge. And then Allah here tells us that those, some group of people who are new to Islam, who are coming in as tribes, they were doing what we call men يَمُنُّونَ عَلَيْكَ and aslamu. They were saying, we've done favors to you by becoming Muslims. Allah here is again putting them in their place and He's saying, Tell them, La tamunnu اسلامكم Don't claim that you know you've done a favor to me by becoming Muslims. It is in fact Allah who has done favors upon you to guide you to the path of iman. If only you believed. If only you were truthful. So, you know, every single one of us, we need to, again, this is a reminder for us. Don't take your Islam and your Iman for granted. Don't take the fact that you've, you know, come close to Allah for granted. Give credit to Allah always. Allah, one of His beautiful names is Al-Hadi, the one who guides. Without His guidance, I wouldn't be standing here today talking in front of you. Without His guidance, none of you would be here today listening to this talk. Without His guidance, none of us would be Muslims today. Without His guidance, we wouldn't be fasting today. So we are reliant on Allah subhanahu taala's guidance always, and then last ayah, Allah ends again with something about His knowledge. Inna Allah ya'lamu wal-ard, wallahu basirun bima Allah has full knowledge of all the unseen things in the heavens and the earth. <inaudible> and Allah is fully watching what you do. What a beautiful way to end this beautiful surah. Where Allah reminds us of his name, Al-Basir. The one who watches us all the time. So it's as if Allah's surveillance, like divine surveillance cameras are on now. And you know, because inshallah we all have taqwa now, we're going to be aware and conscious and mindful of these surveillance cameras. And it's going to guide the way we act in our society from now on. It's going to guide the way we speak to others. It's going to guide the way we think about others. Wallahu basirun Bima so, to sum it up, my dear brothers and sisters, this surah, really, if you think about it, it's, it's really about watching our tongues. Literally, every single ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in one way or another, is reminding us of the dangers of the tongue. In the first passage, it was dangers of what you say about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Right? La tuqaddimu. Remember, don't say things about this deen that you don't know about And then it was about the Prophet Don't speak louder than the Prophet That's, again, a matter of the tongue, isn't it? Yes or no? Are you with me or you, your mind is in the food? Okay, pay attention, please last, last thing So watch how you speak in front of the Prophet ﷺ. A matter of the I want to hear it loud A matter of the Tongue Then news How you spread news Watch your Tongue. Then, in terms of conflicts, how did the conflict start? Abdullah bin Obey? With his tongue, he hurt someone, right? And then, unity. What breaks unity in a society? You are brothers, right? And then, backbiting, making fun, cracking jokes, spying, all of these things is a matter of the tongue. And then, discrimination and racism, it's a matter of the tongue also. And then claiming that you're a Muslim versus mu'min. Again, the Arab, they claimed with their tongues. And then lastly, don't claim that you've done favor to Allah and His deen by becoming Muslims. You see how this tongue, tongue, tongue is repeated over and over and over again. It's as if Allah is saying, the big, biggest proof that you have Iman and taqwa in your heart is your tongue. If your tongue is filthy, then there's a problem in the heart in your taqwa. If your tongue is clean... There is a sign that inshallah your hearts are clean. Just a few reminders about the dangers of the tongue. I have to say this. This is my duty. Okay? The Prophet ﷺ said, He who believes in Allah and the last day must either speak good or remain silent. So if you have nothing good to say, remain silent please. The, the Prophet ﷺ also said, Who is the most excellent among the Muslims? He asked this question. Then he said, the one from whose tongues and hands the other Muslims are secure. When you, when you are not hurting other Muslims with your hands and with your tongues. You're one of the best Muslims. And then the Prophet ﷺ also said, Whoever gives me a guarantee to safeguard what is between his jaws, i.e. his tongues, and what is between his legs, i.e. the private parts, I shall guarantee him Jannah. How many of you want a guarantee of Jannah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Guard these two things, inshaAllah. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, a person utters a, war, a word thoughtlessly, carelessly, without thinking about it being good or not. And as a result of this, he will fall down into the fire of hell deeper than the distance between the east and the west. This is how serious it is when it comes to thoughtless speech. When you speak without thinking, when you speak without you know, thinking whether it's good or bad. So th- with this, we conclude, inshallah, the surah, this beautiful surah al-Hujurat, which again emphasizes on this, you know, concept of iman in the heart that's protected with taqwa, to spread peace, love, justice, and unity in our society, and that is how we get social harmony in our communities and in our societies. Bismillah wa la ilaha la ant, wa taqfirkan atubuuleik. Inshallah, if there's, uh, is there any, any questions? Yes, brother? Sometimes, like, the way you actually receive training, like say even in the security or defense sector, or any place like this, having an arrogant personality is somewhat usually associated with um, a strong personality. It's a misconception, but that's the way it's usually portrayed. So uh, personally, having gone through such settings, you may maintain yourself, but how does it move to the next level where uh, we talked about how this will start to emanate in society. I mean, you're doing your part, but it sort of, uh, in, in society, we see that it only starts to sort of uh, stay immobilized with you. Whereas the justification is always there that, um, you know, this is how it's supposed to be. You need to show your superiority, etc., etc., raising your voice, stuff like that. Sure. Good point, brother. So, a constant theme in the Quran is that the majority are always spoken about in the Quran in a negative way. And the minority are always praised in the Quran. Right? So, again, we should not look at what is popular. I I agree with you, that's what's popular out there. And when you stop doing these things, you become antisocial, you become weird, you become a stranger, you become someone who is, you know, thinking differently. Maybe you're someone who doesn't speak a lot. Maybe you're someone who's always quiet and people make fun of you. Why are you always so quiet, man? Come on. Right? But you are, inshallah the one who is safe. Everyone else is backbiting and you know, throwing comments and stuff, and you are the one who is safe. So don't go by the majority. It is always the minority who are praised in the Qur'an, and the majority are always... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about them in a negative way. So for us, the measure is not numbers and popularity. It is, again, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has um, decided to be a priority for us. Yes, brother, the back. Can you have the mic, please? So, how many minutes for Adhan? 15? khair, yeah, brother. We'll how best will be a combination with the control of the tongue and control of our gaze? So, the question is how do we control our tongue and our lower our gaze? No, how best will be a combination? How the best? Okay. Uh, best thing is to. Uh, Like the Prophet said, if you have something good to say, say it. Otherwise, be quiet. And I think, you know, internalizing this surah, I highly recommend you all to, inshallah, memorize this surah. It's just 18 ayat. Memorize it because now, inshallah, you understand it. And when you memorize it and recite it in your salahs, then all of these lessons will come back to life. And you know, human beings keep forgetting. So we need to constantly be reminded of the seriousness of these matters, right? And the one who is connected with the Qur'an, will keep these ideas afresh in his mind, right? Shaitan's goal is to make us forget, his goal is to make us, you know, uh, distracted, and that's where people end up being loose about their tongues and about their gaze. But, Wallahi, the Qur'an, when we ponder upon the Qur'an and about the serious implications of such evils in our society, then that taqwa will be built naturally, right? Then you will be more protective of your tongue, Will be more watchful of your gaze because this has a direct impact on your iman, and you know. Lastly, it all depends on how much you value your iman, right? It's a personal personal choice every single one of us has to make. If you value your iman, if it's the most precious thing in your life, then you're gonna do whatever it takes to protect it. But if you have other priorities like your business or your family or your house or money or entertainment and playing then of course you won't you won't have any reason to have taqwa and you will be a prey to you know shaitan and his uh, his tricks inshallah so inshallah with that we we can